Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. I hit a point where I was getting over 100,000 unique visitors per month, and that was after about two, two and a half years of blogging. And that was like a pretty big milestone at the time. And then, and then I got hit with a Google, al Google algorithm update. It's called Google Panda. Oh. And 73%, I believe, of my traffic disappeared oh, just wow. like that. This is the How to Trade Stocks and Options podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Today's episode is produced in partnership with FinClub.ai. Trade with confidence and take the guesswork out of trading with FinClub's artificial intelligence platform. Now you can get access to the best AI trading platform on the market for as little as $19 per month. That's almost the price of Netflix. So head on over to finclub.ai to start your two-week free trial right now. Remember, that's at finclub.ai. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Today, I have a special guest online, Jeff Rose. Now, Jeff, he's he's a man about town. He's He's got uh, his own book called The Soldier of Finance. He writes a blog called Good Financial Sense. And he's all over YouTube showing me how it's done on Wealth Hacker TV. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's it's a true honor to have you on, actually. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. So, Jeff, I I would love to learn more about you, more about your story. Um, how did how did Jeff today get to where Jeff is today? Right? If we can if we can dig up those those uh, secrets to success, those nuggets uh, that that gold that you've got in there, what what can you tell us? Yeah, so uh, the journey, I guess, starts as far as like my my journey to success was graduating high school, dropping out of college, uh, my mom getting me a job doing data entry eight hours a day, five days a week, um, starting to do drugs <laughs> and uh, just hating life. And then uh, that's when I finally figured out like, man, I need to I need to get my butt in gear so I ended up joining the Army National Guard. I had a, a few buddies of mine that already already joined the Guard, and my dad was in in the Army back in the day. I'm like, I, I need something. So I did that. Um, that helped pay for school, uh, helped get my butt in gear. But even though my school was paid for because I joined the military, uh, even though like I, I knew better, I still took out student loan debt. So I maxed out my student loans while I was in school. I'm, uh, took out some credit cards, even co-signed for my girlfriend at the time I was in college. And that was, I got lucky that she actually paid that off because she ended up racking up $10,000 of debt. That would have been, I would have been responsible for. Um, so yeah, that is where my success journey <laughs> started. And then as I was getting ready to graduate college, I realized, you know what? I don't have anything on my resume other than, you know, the military, some part-time jobs. So I ended up applying for a summer internship at a local investment firm. This is in Illinois when I used to live there. 
And that internship turned into a part-time job offer while I was still in college. And then once I graduated, this is actually going back in 2002. And for those that might be uh, young to remember then, but uh, 2002 was a very similar time, like a 2008, where mm -hmm. we were coming off a three-year bear market and the job market just like was, was non-existent. And uh, I ended up accepting a job offer as a junior broker for the investment firm that I interned with. And my starting salary was 18,500. That was not monthly, that was not semi-annual. <laughs> semi like that was my annual salary. I uh, did share commissions 50-50. Uh, I think for that first year after, uh, before tax, I think I made about $23,000. But uh, that was my intro into the door. And that, that's when I started to learn the importance of you know, saving for yourself, uh, investing. I didn't know anything about investing. I was a finance major. And it's funny because I didn't even understand the stock market. I didn't know what a mutual fund was. You know, I kind of knew, but if somebody asked me, I, I would totally fail that quiz. But uh, being a financial planner, getting a chance to actually work with real people that were you know, saving for retirement and had their 401ks and IRAs and all their different investments. I mean, that was like my MBA into learning how financial planning, personal finance works. Uh, so that was, that was the beginning. I'll take a pause in case you uh, have any questions, but like that was where it all started. You know, I, that is a very unusual path right i i mean i i went the opposite route in the in the beginning right i was as straight laced as as it comes and to hear your side of the story is really really interesting because like it really doesn't matter like where you came from like i i have a lot of family that um i mean they have started off um very uh i guess poor is a, is a easy way to say it i guess you could say and, you know, just watching them grow and figure out their voice, figure out what's interesting to them, figure out what makes a difference, not only to them, but into the world, pushes them on the path to where they're supposed to be. I, I feel that, and I, not all that long ago, I've, I've had some experiences where I feel like I'm really on purpose, right? And that's probably something that came into, you, into your life, you know, joining the military, finding something that really made you feel on purpose, like, hey, this is the direction that I'm supposed to go. So I think that's incredible to be able to, uh, you know, to share that kind of journey because there's so many people out there that 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 need to hear that, you know, quote rags to riches story. Um, even even eighteen thousand dollars riches, you know, is better than sitting on the on the curb, you know, doing uh, doing whatever you decided to do that day on the on the drugs or, or anything like that. But it's uh, it's a really interesting story. So so tell me more, Jeff. I I feel like we just cracked open the book here. Yeah, and uh, I was. I was totally like the good kid, you know, I was raised a uh, Southern Baptist. My, my dad had dropped out of college as well. He finally ended up getting his degree when he was like in his sixties, but that was like the one thing he didn't want. He didn't want his son to follow in his footsteps. And sure enough, like I started doing the exact same thing. Um, but yeah, and I just, I, it was just a low point in my life. And, uh, but you know, sometimes you gotta hit the bottom so you actually can appreciate what you have and, and move on. So that just began that journey of really growing the financial planning practice. And uh, and for those that don't know, I mean, there are different ways that you can do it. But for, for me, I didn't have any clients that were given to me. You know, anybody that I got, it was through cold calling. It was through seminars. And initially it was all cold calling. So I was on the phones. Uh, I've ever seen the movie uh, Boiler Room, but not really like that, that intense. But I just had a script and I was making 100, 200 dials a day 
And it was all about a numbers game. And I got, you talk about getting rejected. Mm. You know, I was getting rejected <laughs> hundreds of times per day. Like I remember one day in particular, I was, it, the good, it was a good day. And the, and the only good thing that happened was somebody agreed to accept my business card in the mail. And like, that was the only successful call that I had for the entire day. But I remember leaving there like, yes, somebody said yes to my business card. Like I was pumped. I didn't make any money from that. But uh, it was kind of like this. I was really, really motivated to kind of prove myself and like I, that I could do this. And I didn't approach, well, I didn't approach my family members because they didn't have any money. I didn't approach any of my friends because they didn't have any money. So I had to go out and just start building my network. And I wasn't really uh, a good networker per se. I didn't really understand networking, but I, I figured it out pretty quick. And uh, I ended up, yeah, that ended up being the start and ended up being, um, now I did that for about two and a half years. Then my National Guard unit got deployed. So I had to take a, a bit of a sabbatical during my financial planning career and was deployed for 17 months. Came back and started the career again. I would then attained the uh, CFP designation. And then the firm that I was with ended up selling to a bigger bank. And that's when I left, went the independent route, started my own wealth management firm. And then uh, that would have been 2008. Eight? Yeah, or I don't even remember. Yeah, about 2008. And that's also shortly thereafter is when I started the blog, goodfinancialsense.com. And we'll hit okay. pause again. <laughs> so, okay, okay. So we're, it's 2008. You've, uh, you've decided to go out on your own. That probably hurt, right? The, the idea of, hey, I'm leaving. I'm doing my own thing in the worst financial time in history. And I'm working in finances, right? Did that end up being... Uh, a hindrance or did that end up being like a motivation to you? Because I mean, the market really was against you at that point. I mean, people in the streets rioting against Wall Street and all that, uh, all that stood in the financial markets. Yeah. So um, if you, so consider that here's actually a piece of advice I think is very helpful because as I mentioned, I was hired by as a junior broker and the broker that hired me, he was a million dollar producer. He, it was a father figure to me. He was my mentor. He took care of my clients while I was deployed. And, um, but he had, he had drank the Kool-Aid from the, you know, the, the company that was buying out and it, it just wasn't a good fit for me. And that was one of the hardest things that I ever had to do because I couldn't tell him I was leaving because I had, I had some other partners that we were leaving together. And even after I left, I remember him saying to me, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. Like this was basically like my dad, you know, like this is my, my business dad Yikes. that told me this and it, man, it crushed me. But like, I just, I knew that this is what I needed to do. Obviously I had no proof, you know, like only time would tell, but, uh, you know, to answer your question. So, um, how, you know, being a financial planner, the whole goal is like, how many, how many assets under management do you have? And so I'd hit like a certain number and then by March of 2009, when the bottom hit in the market, I remember, so I spent like, what, five years, five plus years, like growing the business. It hit this certain level. Now in March of 2009, because of me leaving, not bringing all my clients over and the market taking a dump, I was about 40% where I was from like, from just three or four months prior. Yeah. But the cool thing was when I went on the independent side and being working for the big firm, I was a W-2 employee. You know, I felt like an entrepreneur. I was, you know, getting my own clients, but I was still paid like like a W-2 employee. When I went on my own, 
I became a business owner. And that's when I finally figured out like, oh, you got your expenses, you know? And so what was like the bottom line? How much was I making? And because I wasn't paying 60% of all my revenue to the other firm and I was keeping a bigger chunk and then paying expenses out, I actually made more having less. And so that's, I, I can remember like one of the first months where I, I had like a, a, a big sale and it was like a $15,000 commission at the time. And I got to keep like 12,000 of it. Whereas in the other job, like I would have kept like 3000 of it or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I I could handle this. And I recognize like, and he was the only one told me I was making a huge mistake. Like everybody there just kind of gave me the, Oh, are you sure you know what you're doing? Blah, blah, blah. And you know, they were speaking from fear, you know, speaking from inexperience. And, uh, I will say that as we continue to grow and my, my business grew, like they never told me that, uh, that they were, they're bad, you know, but, uh, I can definitely, I know now that they see that they made a mistake saying what they said. And so, yeah, it was a scary time, but man, I end up making, I almost got like a 40 to 60, 60% raise that wow. year, even though my assets were down like 50% by the end of the year. Huh. You know, that, that's, that's pretty incredible. That reminds me of the, so I, I'm decently new to the entrepreneurship game uh, in the last three years or so. And uh, there was a book that I read called Tax-Free Wealth. It's part of the Rich Dad series. And uh, it talks about like what you're talking about there, right? The whole, you know, as you're uh, an, em- an employee, you pay taxes first, then your expenses after that. And as a business owner, it's the opposite. You pay your expenses and then your taxes after that. And that was just such a light bulb moment to me. It's like, wow, I can, I can use the tax code for its advantage versus letting the tax code use me for its advantage. So that's, uh, yeah, that, that was a light bulb moment for me too. And, and hearing that from you uh, is pretty interesting. So at what point did you decide to go with, um, with the book, Soldier of Finance, right? You started the, the blog in 2008. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. And you've you've gotten a lot of writing chops under your belt at some point. When did you decide I'm ready for the book? Yeah, so I, I'd had this book idea. Um, well, like, well, actually, no, I didn't really have an idea, but I I knew that I wanted to write a book, and the blog had grown to where I had a decent platform, but I was still really struggling with okay, what what am I going to write about? And then it was because of the blog and the YouTube channel, and this is going back to 2011. And I, I'd only published like a few videos and you talk about cringy. I mean, this was in my, it was the office that we were renting at the time before we moved into the new offices after I left. It was like white walls, there's nothing on the background. I was using a webcam that was not HD, no microphone. And it was so grainy, so echoey. And I don't even remember what the video was about, but some producer at CNBC was looking for independent certified financial planners, found that video, then went to my site and contacted me, flew me out to New Jersey, and it was to be interviewed to be on this show where they were bringing on like independent CFPs. Uh, The show never happened. I mean, it was going on, but ended up being canceled. But when I was meeting with the, I guess the executive producer while I was there, you know, she, I show up, you know, I'm wearing a suit, you know, I'm I'm dressed the part. And she's like, "Uh, where's your, do you have your resume? I'm like resume. I mean, I've been <laughs> I've been working for five years. I own, own my own business. I didn't know I needed my resume, but then I just kind of told her some of my background. She's like, you know, you need to do 
need to write a book on you know the soldier's discipline to investing or something like that. And I just remember you you just said light bulb moment. I can remember sitting there in that office in New Jersey and like bing, like that's when yes, like that's it. Like that's what I needed. So yeah, wasn't on CNBC at that time, but I did get the book idea and that's when it began. Wow, okay. That so what year was that? Wow. Uh good question. So that would have been 2000, yeah, 2009 probably, 2009, okay. 2010. So at this point, how many blog posts had you written to where, because uh, the reason I ask is so my my website started as uh, as a blog and I quickly realized I'm not a writer. <laughs> I am much more of a speaker. And so I shifted it to the podcast format and it, it's worked out much better for me. How many blog posts did you get to before? Well, so 2009 was the book. 2008 is when you started the blog. How many blog posts were in between there? And did you did you feel that that was like your core base, core framework you could draw from? Or did you just totally flip the script and like, this is something totally new? Yeah, so the blog, I think there, there are so many fun stories there. So I went, started the, you know, left the big firm, joined the independent, started my own independent firm. And that gave me a little bit more flexibility to market myself. And going back then, like I, I didn't even know what a blog was. I just happened to read this article in a trade magazine talking about how if you want to stand out from the competition, you need to start a blog. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. What is it? What do I, what? Uh, at that time, I wasn't on Facebook, did not have Twitter. I think MySpace was still a thing. So I just began researching and, okay, what is a blog? Oh, you just write articles. I can do that. So then I just started writing. But then I started doing research on SEO. And uh, was writing my own stuff, publishing maybe two to three articles a week and did that for nine months mm -hmm. uh, without seeing zero results. Uh, did get the contact from CNBC, but that didn't pay the bills. I ended up getting my first client after actually about both nine months. I got my first client and then around the same time during this process, I didn't know you could actually make money from a blog. I didn't know you could make money from the internet, but then I found that you could. So I slapped on some Google AdSense code on the site. And then around the same time I got my first client, I also got my first Google AdSense check, which was $152.91. And I remember getting that check. It was a physical check from Google. I didn't cash it for like 90 days because I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Uh, I think it expired after like six months, so I had to mm -hmm. I had to cash it. But I got a picture, I've got it on my board over here. Um, but it, that was like the coolest thing because it's like, man, I actually, I got more excited making that $152 than I did getting you know, a, a new client from the blog. They're both equally excitable, but one was like this whole mystery world of like online entrepreneurship and digital business and all this stuff. And I, that just got my juices flowing. So. I end up putting more focus growing the blog than actually growing the practice. Um, I had it pretty well streamlined where I was getting referrals from existing clients. I had a CPA that was referring existing clients, but I'm like, man, I had more fun writing articles, researching that stuff. And, and I'm glad I did because you know, fast forward to present day, like that is the main business. You know, I'm no longer a practicing financial planner. I sold that business two years ago and all I do is the online stuff. And that never would have been the case had I not stuck with it. Dude, I actually didn't realize that uh, that you were done with the uh, the financial planning. I didn't, uh, I didn't, that totally blew my mind right there. How about that? So, okay, okay. So Google, Google's paying you, they're still paying you today with Wealth Hacker TV. Um, 
and you, you've got your, your soldier finance book. So you and I have a lot of similarities, right? So I have um, been doing the podcast for a little while and every penny that I've made on podcast sponsorships, it's gone into um, equipment or it's gone into uh, marketing or it's gone into um, hiring people to help me with. And I still have not taken any money out of, of the business whatsoever. And, you know, I think that there's that, that passion, like you're talking about there, that, 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 that fire, right. That you just didn't realize was there before. And then, then when you see, wait a minute, my passion allows me to do more things I'm passionate about and then get paid for it. Um, you know, there's a, there's a quote from, uh, Daryl Eves and he probably didn't mean it this way. Uh, but he's a big YouTube, like how to YouTube guy. And he, he was like, you have to make it all about the money. And at first it's like, what are you talking about, Daryl? And he's like, if you don't make it about the money, then you can't pay the bills. And if you can't pay the bills, you can't do the thing you're passionate about. And so he's not saying be money hungry, but he's saying be conscious of the money. Like you're talking about there, be conscious of that, how that $152 felt and how it changed your perspective. And that's how I took it. And so, yeah, I, that's, that's really, really cool. I had no idea you closed your, your practice there. So, so are you're still doing the blog then and the YouTube channel, right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how often are you publishing to both of those? Um, <laughs> so with the blog, it, uh, it's funny because technically I haven't published an article in two years maybe okay. longer. Yeah. Uh, I do have like a team of writers that, you know, have a content strategy person that does that. And my name is affixed to uh, some of those. I am revamping some efforts. I mean, just in all transparency, like the whole COVID thing, we got hit, uh, not horribly in a sense, but a lot of the affiliate and revenue streams that we were making, for example, like auto insurance uh, for right now, just aren't there because, you know, people weren't driving and auto insurance companies were giving back rebates. So they're not really paying out affiliate commissions because nobody's really, you know, signing up for new things. So recognizing that, you know, I'm going back to publishing more content. And one thing that you said that uh, I found interesting was you started the blog, you found out you're not a writer. So you did the podcast and I, I'm not a writer as well. I will say like, if I have nothing to do, like I will enjoy to sit down and, and write something out, but I need complete peace and quiet. And I also, it's going to take me like a half a day to write a thousand words maybe, maybe 500 words. And it's like, is that really the best use of my time? But what I can do is like, I can outline a blog post, which could be a video, which could be a podcast. And then I can call in a transcription, you know, with my ideas and I could forward that transcription on to my editor or a writer, and then they can turn that into a blog post. And that was kind of like my, uh, my, I guess my transition from writing everything to, wait, I don't, I, that's not the best use of my time. So then I would just, start doing the transcription and, or just record the podcast, record the video and then have it transcribed, then have somebody turn that into an article. And that was like, that's how it could be more efficient. And I think, I don't know, you might ask a question. I feel like I just went on a tangent, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, but like, so publishing, uh, so I'm going back to writing a few more articles on YouTube. Just depends. I mean, I think I've, we had some family stuff come up, so I've maybe done like two videos in the last two weeks, but on a good week, two videos, yeah. three at the very most, but I, I also don't want to fall into the YouTube hamster wheel of like, I got to do a new video. I got to get a new video. You just, you get burned out. Cause I, there was a time I was trying to publish five blog posts a, a week. And that was 
it just you're gonna you're you're gonna fry your brain eventually. Like you're gonna burn out. Like I don't want to burn out. Like I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy the process. So I allow myself to. You know, it's okay if I don't publish a video this week. It's okay if I don't record a podcast. It's okay if I don't publish a blog post. Life is gonna be okay. The internet's not gonna break. Yeah. But it is 2020. Everything's broken this year. It is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, you brought up uh, 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 several points about the uh, the systemization of your process there. And and, and actually, I'm going to I'm going to take some notes and, and do some of that myself. Uh, I recently because of COVID, I mean, on my end, things changed a lot. I uh, I wanted to grow the podcast and, and I mean, it's doing well, but I wanted to grow my YouTube space. Right. Uh, the podcast on the the audio only side is doing well, but on the YouTube space, it's severely lagging. And I was like, I need help. I can't do this all on my own anymore. But I would record, I would edit, I would upload, I do all the social medias. And because of COVID, um, there was a lot of people looking for work, and I found somebody uh, who I could hire full time with the the revenues that I'm making from sponsorships. And like that was such a light bulb moment for me because it's like. Now I can focus on my core genius, right? My the other stuff, and let somebody handle the technical aspect of it. And she's a million times better than me, like at the uh, the creative side, all the editing, all the social media, all that stuff. So it, it was just such a, a perfect meeting of, uh, of of time there. And you know, it wouldn't have happened if it weren't for for COVID. So yeah, it's it, it it's it's really incredible once you find that passion, like you're talking about. And yeah. I, move that forward. And when you actually finally pull the trigger, because I'm sure you had a lot of fear in, gosh, like, can I really afford this? Like, this is the best use of, of my, my, my resources I have right now. And then when you finally do it, and then you see somebody take all that stress, all of that mental space off your plate, and they probably are doing a better job than you were doing. It's just like, oh, oh yeah, that's okay. Yeah, like there are so many times I've I've had that feeling, um, and I think you you said core of genius. I've heard zone zone of genius. For me, the the term that I was introduced to was called your your unique ability, and that was in a coaching program I was in with Dan Sullivan. And basically, it's just finding out how you are wired. And there's a few different ones. Uh, the one that he subscribed to, which other successful entrepreneurs that I've mentored with, is the Colby Index. That's K O L B E. And all it is, it's a, it's a personality test. So you just find out like how you tick. And it's one of those where like, I took the test, it gave me the results, I shared it with my wife and she's like, yeah, I could have told you that. <laughs> but it was just, for me, it was just like, oh. And uh, it just gives you four numbers. And so for me, like I'm a high quick start, which means I'm the big idea guy. I get excited about ideas. If you wanna talk about a product launch or launching a podcast or marketing strategies, like we could talk all day long. As far as follow through, which is another number I'm very low on. So when it actually came, comes to implement said big idea, great idea, it's like, oh, okay. All right, well, that's gonna take a little bit of work. Um, <laughs> let's go back and talk about that idea. You know, that was a lot of fun. So I get really excited about the idea. And for me, that's when I recognize like, oh, that's why I get so excited when I'm doing this. But when it comes to doing this, like it just feels like it's I'm being sucked of all my energy. So then anytime that I would hire somebody, you know, bring a team member on, have them take the Colby index. And it's like, all right, I need somebody who has a, a high follow through, uh, somebody that knows how to build systems, preferably somebody that's not as a big idea guy. Otherwise we'll just talk about big ideas all the time and never get anything done. And that was so crucial 
for me, you know, just making sure I'm hiring the right people. Wow. I, I will absolutely be checking that out. Um, you know, and that, that makes so much sense too, right? If you, if you want to sum to a 10, if that's the, the metrics there and you're a seven, you need a three, but in the opposite, right? If you're a three, you need a seven to make that all work. So, wow, I, I got to check that out. Thanks for, thanks for mentioning that, Jeff. So, so Jeff, what, uh, what can people really take away from, from hearing the, uh, the Jeff Rose story, right? The, I, I started, I, I had some troubles, I went into the military, I, I, uh, I found some success in finance, I created my own, uh, my own, my own uh, practice, and then I decided to follow my passion for creating that content, and that's allowed, allowed me to live that life. What, what would you say is, is like a good, a good takeaway from that? Yeah, you know, one thing, just hearing a little bit about your story and knowing that other people, I'm sure are, you know, have similar hopes and dreams and aspirations of doing something on their own. And and I, I, I can't remember how long you said you've been doing the podcast, but it sounds like you've been doing it for a while and you've had some traction, but it also kind of feels like, gosh, like I've been, I feel like there should be more, you know, like as much time and energy and how excited I'm about this. And with the blog, so for me, like right now, like the blog is the, is the main thing. And it's always been, not always, but it became my main passion because I just enjoyed putting that message out there. And um, I hit a point where I was getting over 100,000 unique visitors per month. And that was after about two, two and a half years of blogging. And that was like a pretty big milestone at the time. And then, and then I got hit with a Google, al Google algorithm update. It's called Google Panda. And oh. 73%, I believe, of my traffic disappeared oh, just wow. like that. And it was April 13th, 2011, I believe, somewhere in there <laughs> when that happened. And I just remember like logging into Google Analytics and like just, you know, looking at like, like seeing a stock market chart, you know, when we're Dow's here and all of a sudden it's here. Like that's what it looked like. And I'm like, what in the world happened? I wasn't doing anything illegal. I wasn't like buying links. I wasn't doing anything shady, but there was something that Google deemed that my site was now, now not worthy of all that traffic. And I was, Gosh, like, I mean, I, I was depressed. I mean, I, for a few weeks and I finally had to take a step back and ask myself, like, what, why did I start this? What was the inspiration like of me doing this? And initially, yes, it was to get new clients. But then I discovered, man, I just really enjoyed helping others. I enjoyed getting all the emails, all the contact form, you know, submissions of people saying, thank you for sharing this and writing this and doing this. And I was able to tally like how much I made, I think it was in the first year or so of writing blog posts and, you know, getting those AdSense checks finally, but then, you know, paying for design costs and hosting fees and whatnot. And I was making about 16 cents an hour, <laughs> 16 cents an hour. And like, this is like a crucial stage that most people don't get through. And I call it the BMW stage. And no, we're not talking about the BMW, the car. We're talking about you've got to survive the below minimum wage stage for the thing that you are working on that you are passionate about. And if you even apply this to like any startup, you know, most of these startups, like the founders, they're not taking a salary. I mean, they're pouring everything back in into the company to finally hopefully have a payday until or they get some funding. But nonetheless, like initially, like they're not making anything. I mean, you go watch, uh, was it, I can't think of the uh, social network, you know, with the, the Zuckerberg story. And, you know, when he's in college, like he wasn't making anything. 
And because of that now, he's worth, you know, a good good amount. But it's that, that BMW stage that most people can't get through because it's also in that stage, you have everybody out there, all your friends, your family members saying, well, why are you wasting your time with that? You should be doing this. Why you just, they're just chirping, chirping, chirping because they don't understand why you're doing it. Like you could, you should be doing this. And like, and the reality is like, they're just judging you because they don't understand it. They would rather just watch Netflix and you know sit back and judge. So anyway, I commend you for doing that. Anybody else that's watching this or listening to this, that uh, you know, you just just keep pushing through um, and have. But as long so long as you are enjoying the process along the way, Jeff, you really hit me hit me in the uh, the heartstrings there because I I know that I lived through it. I'm still living through it. So you uh, you definitely called my number on that one, sir. I've written a short guide on how you can use the triple stock profit system. It's the secret weapon every investor needs right now to change your financial future. And you can get it for free by visiting triplestockprofits.com or in the links below. Also, if you want to join a community of traders just like you, you can get free access to the elite membership that has even more resources to help you trade faster and trade smarter. <laughs> well, Jeff, I got to tell you, this this has been a, a great chat. I, I hope that the audience got some, uh, some good value out of it. And um, honestly, I'd love to have you back on again. I feel like feel like there's a lot of different paths that we could go down, especially since you, uh, you're a content creator like myself. I don't know about you, but I am always hunting for new things to have content with. So I'd love to have you back on the show at some point. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And uh, really, sincerely, thank you for your time. I know you're a busy guy. And thank you guys for tuning into today's How to Trade Stocks Options podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and enable notifications. That way you never miss any of the tools, tips, and tricks that we upload every single week to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10MinuteStockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Ewell are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit 10MinuteStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.